Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our road to 200 has made another stop in the lives of Vince and Len. Last week, we were at Vince's house, <laughs> where we were delighted <laughs> with, with a third partner. Uh, this, is real, this is real polished, professional <laughs> setup package we have. we're putting together here. Yes. Um <laughs> As Vince's young son, Adam, yes, was a very special guest star on yeah. our, our last week's episode. Yes, yes, unannounced, and yes. It was it was a delight. Yes. And tonight, we bring you the Michaud mission straight from the uh, vacant confines of my mother's house. Yes. Um, which is recently going on sale, and yes. I'm here waiting for the electrician, and Vince is... <laughs> <laughs> gladly come and said hey let's just do the show let's, here. hey that's right have mics will carry that's right that's what right. does it have have gun will travel right yeah have mics will travel that's right so, so yes the me show mission can come to you ladies and gentlemen <laughs> did you like those shows like were you a cowboy show guy like the rifleman and um, have gun will travel and i mean a little they're a little before our time but they i feel were, like but they know, were always the reruns yeah how, how'd you feel about those shows i liked which was the one with steve mcqueen steve mcqueen was on one. Oh, and i like i didn't mind that one for some reason i think his may have been have gun will travel and then clint eastwood had one that wasn't bad which for some reason i think was the rifleman but um see now i gotta look it up no i thought that was chuck connor's was the, the rifleman. rifleman was chuck connor's yeah, you're right chuck connor's but clint eastwood rifleman. had one too right um see see i'm gonna have to look this up now i've right, already right. i've already i i immediately <laughs> took us off track <laughs> immediately i mean this was going to be a short and sweet episode well you know what it is <laughs> there's stuff that that frankly i can really only talk about with you I appreciate like that. like my boy Cliff is, is is you know shout out to Cliff is a huge TV person, mm -hmm. but we've been talking about TV for thirty years. Right, there's stuff that you and I still haven't talked about. Right, so I realized, oh, I've never actually talked to Lynn about cowboy shows. That's right, and I knew you had an opinion on them. His was Rawhide. Rawhide. Well, he wasn't the star of Rawhide. He was on. He it. was just on Rawhide. He was yeah. on Rawhide. Okay, I remember seeing him on there. Right, right, and I right. liked it. Right, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I like that. You know what I wasn't, I quickly grew out of? Bonanza. Bonanza was not that, see, see, here's the thing about Bonanza. Okay. Bonanza suffered under the weight of its own success. What, what do you mean? I feel like Bonanza was trying to appeal to everyone. Like Bonanza was a, like a whole family could watch Bonanza. Right, right. Whereas a lot of the shows that you've talked about, Rawhide kind of got like this, but those were unapologetically shows Westerns. for men. Yeah. These yep. were men shows and there were just enough women on there to let you know that these men weren't homosexuals. Mm -hmm. But then that was it. That was it. Yeah, you're The right. rest of it, it was just... and And so I thought there was this real sort of um sort of blandness 
to Bonanza after yeah. a while. Like, like I think Bonanza maybe had one or two. I, I can't really speak to seasons and stuff, but there's a there's a, a little vein of Bonanza that I watch and I go, okay, all right, this is a good episode. But there was a lot of Bonanza. Well, but Bonanza it might as well have been Little House on the Fair, Little House on the Prairie. The Bonanza fans will tell you that as long as the show was on, and it was lo- it was it a was long on for a minute, yeah. for a minute, so yeah. it was a success. Yeah, but they will say that maybe speaking to what you're talking about, that really settled in once Pernell Roberts left. Okay, it was no longer three sons. Okay, so now you just really had the dynamics of just the two sons, Hoss and Little Joe, right, and their pop. Yeah, that's right. You all are listening to the Michelle Mission, which is about black films. You listen to the right podcast. That's right. You're in the right place. Raps, rap, recitic about this old white western. Right. Don't worry. You're in the right place. We're gonna get to this. We're gonna get black real soon. Right. We're gonna get black in a minute. (laughs) We get black in a minute. But I think that's when um, Bonanza really took on what you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean. The only other show that probably took on a little bit of that, but stayed like manly yeah was um it was the longest running show on television for until the simpsons broke his record yeah because i would have said bonanza and if you just said it wasn't bonanza i would have said rawhide no no so i no. don't know what you're it's talking the, about it's right the now. one with um the sergeant he was uh, the, the sergeant the sheriff he was the sheriff of the town um ah uh, the Back to it, Vince. I'm sorry. See what you've done. I know we're gonna get to Night of the Living Dead. This is my bad. <laughs> we haven't even introduced. I'm. I'm we, we haven't even introduced what we're reviewing yet. I mean, people know why they're here. <laughs> That's why they're confused about all this talk about cowboy shows. I like the rifleman because Chuck Connors did not. Chuck Connors, his whole deal was he had a rifle and right. was shooting people with a rifle. Right. Um, the show I'm talking about is Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Yeah, Gunsmoke. Yeah, Gunsmoke was all right. Gunsmoke stayed all right. Marshal Matt Dillon, who was yeah. played by uh, James Arness. Yeah, Gunsmoke. Yeah. Who was the sheriff of Dodge City. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't know how long that show had ran? That show ran, I think, like 21 years. I knew one of those shows was the longest, but I, I think I thought it was Bonanza. Okay. I think I thought it was Bonanza. Yeah, Gunsmoke ran uh, actually 20 years. Right. And it, it's record as for prime time television. Sure, sure. It was only broken by the, uh, the, by Simpsons. the Simpsons. Right. Which now is... Believe it or not, I actually didn't really like all those cowboy shows that much. Really? I wasn't... Not, not really. You were a Lone Rangers guy. I didn't really... I, it was... Yeah, like Lone Ranger. Once... You know what? It never matched the height of the theme song. Okay. Like once you, or, or rather the yeah. opening credits. Yeah. Like it was yeah. never as good as the opening credits. I always say it's, it's, it's the Johnny quest thing. Mm-hmm. Like the opening credits yes. were so good. Yeah, absolutely right. And then the show itself never rose that. to, and Johnny quest was a good show. And Johnny quest was a good show, but Johnny quest has that opening. Maybe my favorite opening ever. Like Johnny Quest might be my favorite. 
favorite opening credits ever. No, it's not. You, no, it's not. What's better than Are you, that? Now you, first of all, let me check. Are you saying opening credits as in combination music and visuals? Yes. I'll give you one better. What? The Boondocks. I am the stone that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know your left from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that lets you know to call your brother's son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I'm going to remain a soldier till the war is won. Fun. <laughs> No. I Are you serious? It's better than the Boondocks. No, it's not. No, it is it's not. It's better than... The, look, there are like nine different miniature adventures in the opening credits of Johnny Quest. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. I'll like, give you that. But the Boondocks... Okay. Maybe the Boondocks visuals may not match up to Johnny Quest visuals, but that theme song. Oh, the theme song is fantastic. So the, the theme song is so superior to Johnny Quest's God, theme music. I, I mean, it's a great theme. <laughs> no, no. But I was a Maverick guy. Maverick was my jam. Oh, okay. okay. Maverick was my actual jam. I see. That's uh, and that's a uh, Jim Garner. Oh yeah, James Garner. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm I'm a. You know, I never watched the show though. Oh my god, I loved Maverick so. I never much. watched the show, oh, and I, and I, I loved like him. Maverick, Maverick stops me. Maverick is a, is a channel stopper for me. Really, like if, I, if Maverick is on, and and like all because you know they remember they made like three movies afterward, like 15, 20 years later, they Return made- of Maverick. Oh, they did. You, you know. Oh, that's right. You're talking about the um, like the TV, right? Right. The TV did. movie, like yes, Maverick in yes. space, and he never went. To you space. know, Maverick <laughs> goes to the supermarket. I watched all of them. I watched all of them. Jim Garner put on that hat and got to cheating people at cards <laughs> and getting into it. Like Jim Garner, like Maverick, he didn't want to punch you in the mouth because that wasn't really his thing. That's right. That was his whole deal. But he'd knock you Bruh. out if he had to. <laughs> and then he'd be playing cards. He'd be sitting playing cards and he'd say, full house. And then someone would say, how do you have a full house? Because I have two aces. And then it was on. He'd say, look, let me just take the money and leave. And someone would pop it up. You about to get knocked out. You didn't took him for bad because he got the little black hat on. I know. But he about to knock you out. I know. I know. And you might get shot. That's very true. Don't think he won't pull a pistol out. How did you like the feature film Maverick that starred Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, and James Garner not playing? Right, not playing. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't right? bad. Yeah, it was cute. But I'd rather they had just done a Maverick film with old old James Garner. You know, old James Garner, right. I actually would have preferred that too. I, I was a I was a James Garner fan. So you were Rockford Files dude, of course. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like the Rockford Files. Oh yeah. Between Maverick and Rockford Files, James Garner might be my favorite white man. (laughs) Here's a piece one last piece of of Western trivia. (laughs) One last piece of Western trivia. One last piece of Western Western trivia. The star of Gunsmoke was James Arness. Yes. Who at the time of being cast in Gunsmoke was a newcomer, had never acted before. Okay. How how you think about that? You get landed on a show. You're the lead, never acted before, and the show runs 20 years. It's good to be a tall white man. He had a brother okay. 
who was also the star of a hit 60s show that was um, not set in the wild, wild west, but there was a lot of gunplay on his show as well and has an equally and probably superior iconic theme song. Do you know who his brother was? I do not, but it, it is, I'm assuming he was probably on one of the spa shows. You're right. It was, it was one like of man shows. from, is he, was he on man from uncle? No, he was not on for man from uncle, well, which Roger, was an iconic theme, which well, well, Roger Moore was the saint. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't British. Was he? No. So he wasn't on the Avengers. No. I give up. I give up like those. I, I may have named all of my James Arnest's brother is Peter Graves. The star of Mission uh, Impossible. Impossible. They have la- oh, they have different last names. Yes. Uh, that was a trick because I couldn't because I was also thinking of of shows that I didn't know the actors' names. Right. So so yeah. Oh, that was that's a pretty cool family. That's pretty cool family. That's a pretty cool family. That's pretty cool family, yeah. right? All right. So anyway. <laughs> What we're here for in the month of October is to scare you, ladies and gentlemen, as we are reviewing horror films. People are clicking on their phones. <laughs> what in the world has Apple mixed <laughs> the Michelle mission up with? That's done sound like this is a gun smoke mission. This is not cowboy podcast. <laughs> I don't subscribe to this. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. <laughs> I'm just joking. Y'all don't hit unsubscribe. Please don't hit unsubscribe. Don't, please don't hit unsubscribe. No, no. <laughs> All five of you, don't hit unsubscribe to our show. Um, we're here to review Vince's pick. Yes. On our Scarefest, The Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. George Romero's, um, it's not even, it's not a cult. It is a classic. No, film. no. I, I, iconic. Iconic I, I think film. is the term you should From use. From 1968. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, <laughs> we have more vamping to do because we've got emails. <laughs> we have more business to do. If that wasn't enough, I'm sorry, ladies. I and mean, gentlemen. you know, truncated. We bump it. Yeah, and sure. Yeah, With know. edits, it'll it'll knock down to 15 minutes. Right, right, right. We have um, we got we got emails, Vince. Okay. We have an email from. Let me just pull it up real quick here. Ellis Heron. Hey, Ellis. What's up, fellas? Hey. I love the podcast and look forward to downloading your latest episodes every week. Thank you. I just listened to your Distinguished Gentleman podcast, and it was hilarious. (laughs) At the end of it, you mentioned the movie (laughs) Twa. Yes. (laughs) I think Twa hit a nerve. Mm. And we're thankful you didn't have to review it since it didn't go to theaters. Well, I hate to break it to you, <laughs> but it was released in theaters. It may have been limitedly released, but I took a woman to see it while I was in college. Oh. Subtle. So now, you might have to think about putting it on your list. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Ellis Heron. P.S. I'm sure I'm not the first to mention this, but I'm looking forward to when you finally review she's got to have it after all these episodes with its music included yeah do the right thing is the grail but but she's got to have it has come up she's got got to have it has come up i will I'll give you a, a a peek down the road as it will yes that she's got to have it is on my list 
that we're going to get to before we get to 200. Really? Yeah. I vehemently disagree with that. Well, it should be like 250 or two. Yeah. I hear you, but I have a reason for oh, getting it in before 200. All right. And my reason is, is that with episode 200, my plan is to retire the <gasps> music that we are currently using. <gasps> Because it is not original mu music. And heaven forbid. Heaven forfend. You know, the walls of Jericho, you know, the walls of Spikedom come down. Right. And say like, you know, yo dog, y'all can't use that anymore. And y'all can't use it in your older shows. So. We got to get ahead of the curve. I want to get ahead of the curve. So with that being said, I have commissioned a jazz artist. Mm. It's actually like a little jazz musician that I know um, out of Minneapolis, actually, uh, who just recently relocated here to Philadelphia, who plays an electric upright bass that is just like incredible. I've asked him to listen to our show. He's well, he knows Nola's theme, knows it well, and see if he can come up with like, you know, something that matches that matches that, that tone that, okay so that we can debut debut it at world cafe live at our live show excellent oh uh, and um well since we're February. doing all this in real time she's got to have it episode 199 there you go there you go there so, you go ellis that's what you got to look forward to so now you got two shows to look forward now to. you got two shows 199 will be doing she's gotta have she it and then she's gotta have episode it. 200 which will be a live show ladies yes. and gentlemen at a world cafe live here in philadelphia february 27th of 2020 we will be reviewing shaft and we're going to have a 70s soundtrack soul train dance party you will not want to miss tickets are on sale right now go to themichellemission.com got a link get your tickets seating is limited world cafe live great food great drinks and the michelle mission what else can you ask what for? else can you ask for all right all right <laughs> back to the business back to this we want to thank everyone that hits us up on um, Apple Podcasts and gives us reviews. Yes. And we've got yes. two new ones, Vince. Hey. That I want to bring to your attention. We got a, a review from King Art the Great. Hey, King Art the Great. Who said what I needed. As a Denzelit, I needed a new podcast. This pod hit the spot. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Thank you. And and we welcome all of the former Denzelits who yes, were yes. fans of Denzel Washington is the greatest actor ever. That's right. Podcast. Um, we welcome all of you to join us as missionaries on Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So, uh, so thank you and welcome. King Art, spread the word. Yes. We also got a review from... Don the Comedic Ronin. What's up, Ronin? Hey, what's up, Don? The best show in podcastdom. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, I made that word up. However, what I'm not making up are my thoughts on the Michelle mission. I discovered the show a few months back and couldn't have been happier that there were so many episodes to review. <laughs> That's right. Now that I've caught up, I'm almost upset that I have to wait a full seven days before the next one drops. However, each episode is well worth the wait. 
wrapping your head around a mission to review every african-american movie ever made is a huge deal it is. i am constantly entertained by vince and len but more importantly i am learning about black cinema i encourage others to tune in laugh at the banter and get schooled thank you thank you very much that is real classy that is real classy thank that you is real much. classy that was real dope Speaking of tuning in to to new things, you know we're fortunate that there are uh, you know a few people that watch our, that listen to our show that are actually like out there working actors. Yes, you know yes, I mean? absolutely. And uh, we've become you know acquaintances and dare acquaintances, I say friends. Dare I say with um, the house Missick, house Missick, Dorian and Simone. Right, right, right. Home of Clan Missick. <laughs> right. Um, yes, because you got to remember their dog. Right. Right. Uh, Simone has actually debuted in a new series. She's the lead of a series on CBS, All Rise. Yes, she is. A new legal drama. It's set in L.A. as she plays a judge, a newly minted judge okay. from the DA's office. Um, and basically dealing with all the, the cases that come into her, to her uh, court. And it goes without being said, there's no shortage of lawyer shows on TV. Of course. Legal shows on TV. Legal dramas is, you know, they'll always be there on television. So you've got to work hard to stand out from, you know, from the rest. Yes. Now, immediately having a black female lead job, job done. Absolutely. You stand out from the rest. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? But... What I also think that this show does that that makes it stand out is like, at least to me, I haven't, and I've watched two episodes so far. Okay, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Okay, it 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 you know deals with some serious things. Like the the second episode deals with like with um immigration and and ICE and en enforcement and stuff. Yeah, but. For some reason, I don't know why, this show's got like a little bit of a quirky vibe to it. Right. And it, it brings to mind Night Court. Okay. The old sitcom starring Harry Anderson, which okay. was one of my favorite shows of all time. Okay. And while this is not a comedy, Simone, who definitely has proven that she can do drama yeah. and action from yeah. a time on Luke Cage. We have said it to her personally. Like, oh, I can't wait to see you on a comedy. We, we are, it's well documented that we think she, Simone is hilarious. Yes. Yeah. And she's able to like, you know, show those chops on this show. Okay. You know? So I, I really like, I really like that. The cast is strong. Marge uh, Helgenberg is on the show. Mm -hmm. she, she's good. Like supporting role on there. The guy that plays like, probably like her best friend mm -hmm. who's like the the da who um i guess to put it in night court terms would be john lauraquette's role okay um he's played by this guy wilson bechtel okay bechel bechel he's got a little bit of like a quirk to him too but i like the i like their chemistry okay with one another and you can see like it's not best friends that will they won't they it's best friends because they got mad respect for each other and they just love each other as friends. Which is fantastic. Right. Like, it, it, there's a, a line in the second episode where they're talking about some case that's going on, but then dude drops a reference to her mom. Mm -hmm. And she's and she's like, 
yeah, you're right. I'm being my mom. She, and he's like, yeah, you're being your mom. And you know, I love your mom, which is like, that's such a friend thing to say. Exactly. Because you know the family, you exactly. know, they know you like, you're like, oh, come over here. You know, you're my little baby, you know what Right, I mean? right, right. And I really loved like that one little, little bit. I was like, all right, I'm in for this show. Okay. I'm down for it. All Rise, starring Simone Missick. I heartily you know, recommend people check out this show. I've not, it is, it is, I've got both of them on my DVR. I just haven't gotten to it yet. You know how it is, but, but it's, it's getting great reviews. Yeah. yeah, It's getting great reviews. I I think it's doing very well. Obvious, obviously we are super happy Mm -hmm. for Simone. If you follow her on Instagram and, and if you've kind of followed this journey, it, it like, I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy, obviously, for Dorian and just all of them. Yeah, me too. Just happy across the board. Now, question, Mm -hmm. because it is on CBS and it is in this um, this tradition of of it sounds like it's it's tonally doing a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Is it like picket fences? Maybe a bit. No, it's not that quirky. Not that quirky. It's not that quirky. Okay, so on a scale of one to picket fences, it's about a seven. I wouldn't say seven. I'll, I'll say the quirk factor is maybe about a six. Okay. Um, but I think that that's helped because the it, the cast is uh, here we go. You got Simone. You got Wilson, as I mentioned. Jessica Camacho, who plays Emily Lopez. She's uh, the public defender. Mm-hmm. So you've already. So there you've got. Then you've got Latin. You've got um, Alex Brinson who plays this this young bailiff who wants to be a lawyer, who's kind of cool. He's a brother. Ruthie Ann Miles, who plays... She it's actually plays Sherry Kansky. She's the assistant. For some reason, I thought she was she was Asian, but they, the name doesn't speak to that. But I think she actually is Asian. Um, and they've got like a... Like a, like a uh, love hate relationship going on with one another. That's kind of cool. Lindsay Mendez. And then I mentioned... Uh, Marge Helgenberger, like it's it's a well rounded, uh, diverse cast. Okay, uh, that and like I said, it just doesn't take itself too seriously. That's what I like right. about it. Well, I'm in. I just I just gotta, you know how it is. Well, if you peeked in to my yeah, life, we peeked into your world. <laughs> yes, it's a lot going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, congratulations to the entire cast. Congratulations, Simone. Yeah, and I can't wait to because uh, I think Dorian's got a show that's going to be coming up soon. I guess he does. Yeah, so I can't wait for his I guess show. He does. So check that out. Okie doke. I think we've 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 we, ramped enough. We, we've bantered enough. <laughs> Rawhide. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's crack that whip and get down to 1968's Night of the Living Dead. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Welcome to a night of total terror. Dead who live on living flesh. 
The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. adventure in fear, an experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare, night of the living dead, a night with the dead who cannot die, a night of total terror. Night. Of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead is a 1968 American independent horror film written, directed, photographed, and even edited by George Romero. Oh, yeah. And it was uh, co-written by John Russo. The story follows seven people who are trapped in a rural farmhouse in western Pennsylvania which is besieged by a large and growing group of living dead monsters. The movie stars Judith O'Day and Dwayne Jones Dwayne Jones in this film that was made on a $114,000 budget but grossed $12 million domestically $18 million internationally and more important was regarded as a cult classic by film scholars and critics and would go on to spawn many remakes, reboots, sequels, and a literal genre of film itself. Yes, it did. And it is Vince's pick for this stop on the Me Show mission. Ladies and gentlemen, Vince... What say you of Night of the Living Dead? Night of the Living Dead, 1968. We we talked, we mentioned it last week. Running joke, I don't like monster, I don't like horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I stand by that. It's not really my thing. Right. But I like what I like. And I am a George Romero fan. I'm a George Romero fan. And when you talk about George Romero, you obviously talk about the dead cycle mm-hmm. that these films night dawn day so on so forth and for our purposes i think there are three conversations frankly you have to have about the night of the living dead and two of them are pretty short and then one of them is where we gonna fight okay as a zombie film it, look this is the citizen kane of zombie films <laughs> okay. you know it really really is i, I think I think for many people, and I include myself in this group, you come to a zombie, you come to zombie films, the the great ones, mm-hmm. not for the gore, right? Not for the 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 shock, you you know the the the, the jump the jump scares or anything. I think the resonance of the zombie film is the social commentary. Okay, and and this 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 
perfectly establishes that genre where you have society breaks down Mm -hmm. and this group of people in this farmhouse serve as this microcosm of what happens when society breaks down. Mm -hmm. And the focus is so much on there that I think it's fascinating how the zombie aspect of the zombie film, oh, the dead have risen, they eat human flesh, you shoot them in the head, if they bite you, it spreads all the things that we take for granted when we talk about zombie movies. That really doesn't become part of the text in this film for an hour. Yeah, you're right. Even the makeup is very, very sparse. Mm -hmm. So that the zombies that you see, there's not a lot of visual indication that these are dead bodies. Mm -hmm. They, They just have, you know, some of them, their clothes are ripped. Yeah. There's one person who's naked. Yes, very oddly. But there's no indication that these are zombies the way that that zombies have been presented up to this point. Because let's be clear, this is not the first zombie movie. Right. There have been zombie movies before, but this is the one, as you said, that launched this modern genre of zombies, basically zombies overrunning the earth. Yes. I think the way it establishes those tropes is fantastic. I think the the way it establishes its world building with with the the newscasting and everything all the way up to the end is this is is the template. Like you understand right. how this film has served as the template for mm-hmm. all of them and frankly, I think this film does it better than pretty much any other zombie. Like, this isn't my favorite. Dawn is my favorite. Dawn of the Dead is my favorite George Romero film. But as a zombie film, again, I think this is the Citizen Kane of zombie films. And everyone should watch it just for that. I think if if you like movies, you should watch an example from each genre just to say you've watched it. And if you have to watch a zombie movie, I think this is the one to watch. Okay. As a film... Outside of genre concerns, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think George Romero is a good director. I, th- I think the staging of the scenes, I think the, 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 the lighting and the cinematography, there's some wonderful shots where he utilizes it. It's in black and white. And I think he utilizes uh, negative space or dark space or shadows really well. The acting is nothing really to write home about for the most part. That's true. Dwayne Jones is good. Mm-hmm. I like Dwayne Jones, and I actually also really like Carl Hardman, okay. who plays Harry Cooper and is Dwayne Jones' main foil. Right. And the two of them are acting. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is just there. You, you know, they're just they're just sort of there, and their real their real um job is to bounce off of these two characters. Mm-hmm. But it's a good, you know, it's a pretty good film. It's a pretty good film. Uh, you know, it's not bad. Right. Just as a film. As a but, film. But obviously its importance as a zombie film is what has elevated it. Right. And then we get to the argument about, is it a black film? Yes. And and the reason that people have argued over the years about race in this film is because 
the main character played by Dwayne Jones is a black man. Yes. And he is very much the protagonist. Mm -hmm. He is very much the, the, the character that all of the action revolves around. And although the film starts with a white character, Barbara, she and her brother right. go to go to visit their mother's um wet gravesite. I think they said there's their fathers. Is it I'm sorry, their father's gravesite. A zombie attacks and kills her brother. Yes. And then the the action follows Barbara as she runs. But the film starts really when Dwayne Jones comes into the picture right. and he rescues her. And then it goes from there. And then there are elements of the film that people have red race onto. And when I think about this film as a black film, it, it you, you want to talk about um, vamping. It actually makes me think about the X-Men. And X-Men, if you've never seen the movies, X-Men, they're, they're Marvel comic characters, and they feature mutants who are human beings who are born with extra powers, and people are prejudiced against them, and they hate them. And then the mutants have, the, the, within this community of mutants, basically people have to figure out what they are going to do with their powers and how they're going to coexist. And you have two poles. You have Charles Xavier, Professor X, who wants to coexist with regular humans and integrate and and find a way for everyone to live together and then you have magneto who is like eftem humans and right. we gonna do what we need to do to survive and he starts a, a, a starts a group called the brotherhood of evil mutants right and this is it started in the comic books came out in the 60s and one of the readings that people have said probably since the mid seventies is that, Oh, when Stan Lee created them, he was thinking about Martin Luther King jr. And Malcolm X. Right. And Stan Lee being the showman that he always was mm -hmm. when people would ask him, Stan Lee would say, yeah, sure. Okay, fine, fine. Mm -hmm. Sure. Never heard a story that he couldn't co-opt, but five minutes of research will let you know that that's completely false. Right. Like he was not thinking about the civil rights movement at, at all. all. But I think Stan Lee's overall morality, sensibility, ethics, mm -hmm. and when you look at his body of work and 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 the social concerns that he supported, yes, you understand why people have that reading. Yeah, yeah and yeah. this is a reading that even if he didn't mean it, people who have worked with the character since then have retroactively put them in these roles so even though stan lee never meant for professor x and magneto to represent dr king and malcolm x initially because of who he is because of his values it works really well and i think those readings enhance those characters in a way that make them more vibrant yeah that is how i see this film there's absolutely no and and George Romero has been at was adamant about this throughout his life that Dwayne Jones was cast because he thought he gave the best performance. Right. And and then he it was just as black but there's no way you can watch this film and not see how race informs the way this film works and and his character is, it, when you think about, again, the zombie film, society breaks down. Mm -hmm. And then the real thrust of the story 
is, well, then what happens? And Dwayne, Dwayne Jones' character, Ben, he's active. He's a protagonist. He is, is the one in charge. There's a push and pull between him and the other character. Mm-hmm. Textually, race is not acknowledged at all. At all. I think, it is, I think it is impossible, and certainly in a film made in 1968, mm-hmm. to not see the subtext there. And I'm going to take George Romero at his word. But George Romero was a smart man. And George Romero, again, if you look at the body of his work, he always had this social commentary in his films. Now, maybe after this happened, he added it to the later films. But I think it's all there, starting with this black man who is put into this leadership position, who is active, who when everyone else is falling apart, he kind of holds it together all the way to the end where he's just shot. Now, I will say this. I think a misreading that a lot of people have had, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, where people have said that the policemen shoot him at the end and mistake him for the zombies. And if you just hear that, you think that they see him. You're right. But the film is clear that they can't see. They can't see. It. They no. can't see him. But I do think that the still shots of his dead black body dead afterwards and this basically lynch mob over him. Yeah. is very evocative of, of the photographs of lynchings. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when it gets there right to the stills, the first time for me, right. That any reading of race onto the movie is, is apt okay. because those stills are very disturbing because like you said, they're, they're almost like this lynch mob of, of you know, um, white men, uh, all who have like, like, even though this is in rural Pennsylvania, they definitely sound like they've got like a Southern drawl. To they them. all have accents. That's you know, right. All got that That's Southern right. accent. They're there with their, with their, their pitches. You know, like stick in him. They're the dogs, the yeah, German shepherds the with the police, there. which evokes all of that imagery. Um, and because they shot him, not not seeing not seeing him, they they couldn't see him. Right. And and let's make it clear, they shot him because that's what they were doing. They were basically clearing the woods of the living dead. Right. So they see like this this shadow, like the. They ain't got time to ask questions. They're taking them out. Right. You know what I mean? But then, because he's not the living dead, so he actually does look like a recently dead black man. You know, he looks normal for them to then be dragging him to a pile. Reading race on there is, I see it. I, I definitely see it. He's the protagonist. Well, first of all, let me go. This is, you know, it's the granddaddy of zombie movies. You know, it, it. you're right. It is. This is where all of the tropes of Zamba movies, this is where they all begin, you know, in this movie. And they're subtly put into the movie that you can almost miss some of these things because they eventually turn on the television. And then oftentimes you will hear the television in the background. The television is kind of like giving you information. It's the one that's telling you about how you got to shoot them in the head. Hey, we've discovered that, you know, oh my God, these things are, are, are coming back, back to life. You know, like they're eating dead, they're 
uh, dead flesh. You know, you've got to shoot them in the head or, or a blunt strike to the skull. And all of that is just, you know, coming from the television in the background of many of these scenes. And that's a cool way to get that information across. I appreciated that. Even though there was one funny scene where it's the newsman and he's, he's in the background, just, just talking while they're, I think, uh, uh, Dwayne Jones character is like nailing up the, the windows, boards to the window. And the news guy just literally says like, for God's sake, get out of the streets. <laughs> well, there's objective reporting. <laughs> I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> That's real, but like that establishes them. That because it establishes what we, ladies and gentlemen, bruh, shit is bruh. Up. But it's always that scene at the beginning of the zombie movie. Well, what's going on out here? Let me investigate. No. For God's sake, get out of this. Why are you out? Go to Bruh. home. What's happening out here? Go! Catherine, hand me my flashlight. Bill? Uh, we, we've lost Bill. <laughs> So, so I love I, I, what is all this ruckus there's way too much of a hullabaloo <laughs> okay <laughs> Benny's Benny's <laughs> putting up putting up wood he put up the, the wood like not even half, halfway listening right. to the radio you know why because a black man in 1968 he all he was ready he was ready for it to go down wait a minute he was ready for it to go down anyway. Wait a minute. This is 1968, right? When is Heat of the Night? That's 1960. Oh, that's something like that. It, yeah. I think it's before this, right? Uh, I think so, though. Yeah. Because yeah. this movie has a Heat of the Night moment. Yes, it does. <laughs> that man, I was like, whoa, because. The Barbara character, she is like uh, 67. So you was exactly. Yeah, that's I right. It's it was a year, year before. before. Yeah. So, you know. So oh, yeah. George Romero didn't see it in the heat of the night. So, so this is another race moment I'll give you in this movie. There are actually two of them. I know the one you're about to say, but then it was the other one. Go ahead. So Barbara is like literally catatonic when she gets to this house. That's right. Blonde-haired white woman. Let's be blonde, clear. Yes. Ben is the only black character in this film. Exactly. And he's there and he's like, you know, like, yo, we can't go out. We got to stay here. I'm going to board up these windows and these doors. And she's not saying a word. And then all of a sudden she gets the jabber jaws and talking to, talking about her and her brother. And she realizes that her brother is still out there because her brother, she's not sure, died. He, in struggling with this lurch looking monster, um, got hit his head on a gravestone. Right. Um, and. and which preceded her running away. She remembers, oh my God, he's still out there. She wants to go out there. That's right. No, I got to go find my brother. <laughs> and my man, Dwayne, is like, no, no, no. And he grabs her up, pulls her from the door, and then she slaps him. Yes, she does. And like, like a brother, he doesn't move. But like the heat of the night, he gives it back. But he don't slap her. He knocks her 
out. Yes. He punches her dead in the jaw. Yes. And then picks her up, puts her on the couch where she's laid out. We're left to believe for at least an hour because in the transition, he is now boarded up the entire house. Yes. And she is still not. But you know what, though? That's another moment. Well, that's another thing I love about Ben. That's his character, Ben. Ben. Ben is not a hero. No. Like, Ben Ben is in pure survival mode Mm -hmm. like everybody else. But even that, the fact that you have granted this black character the complexity Mm -hmm. to not be the savior hero figure. Right. Because it's not played for laughs, and it's not played for... Oh, like like Ben is is in survival mode like everybody else. True. The other moment, because we talked about he goes back and forth with the Harry Cooper, where Harry Cooper's character about basically who's going to lead this group. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Harry Cooper tries doesn't help him in a way that he thinks he should. And he beats up Harry Cooper. Remember, he knocks him around a little bit. And then they eventually find a gun, and as we all know, a gun just presents more problems mm-hmm. in, in this situation. Ben takes the gun, because Ben's in charge, and Ben says this, he, because that Harry wants to go into the basement, and Ben says, you go in the basement if you want to, but I'm in charge up here. That's right, and this is where the food is. And this is where the food is. At some point, Harry gets the gun from Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben takes the gun back from Harry, and then he shoots Harry. And I put my, I said, boy, Ben is not fucking around with these people. Not, I ain't got time for your book. Bruh. I ain't got time. I'm trying to survive. It's true. That's true. So, so I say, I mean, this is a fun film. It is. It's, it's, <laughs> it is. It's a fun movie. George Romero, like you said, He's having a great time. It's interesting that you watched this movie in the original black and white. Yeah, oh yeah. I watched the colorized version of it. Oh, why'd you do that? Well, it was the first time, because it was was the one that came up free on Prime. So, that's why I watched it. Oh, the black and white one came up on mine. Interesting. Yeah, because I watched the 30th anniversary transfer. Oh, see, when I I just looked it up and on Prime, we're going to stop doing free advertising. For, for prom, but oh, that's too bad. You've seen this before, though, right? No, I'd seen it before. Okay, all right. So, so all it was right, fine. Right. Don't watch the colorized version, folks. Well, yeah, you you want to see the black and white? Yeah, because I think I think the horror, whatever horror there is to this movie, definitely translates much better in the black and white. Absolutely. And with the color, because this was a very low budget film, mm-hmm. you see some of that limitations, especially in the makeup, like you, yeah. like you mentioned. Um, but uh, that not being said, you still can appreciate some of George Romero's craftsmanship as a, as a director and a cinematographer mm-hmm. in the color rods version. You just don't get, a lot of the the more film noir touches that he puts in right that definitely are 
you know, at home in black and That's, white. That's I'm, I'm glad you used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I th- I, yes, absolutely. Right. So absolutely. Th- so some there are some scenes that you know were good, but I know in black and white it's like these really pop. You yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, so but nevertheless, it's still a fun film i think like i watched the colorized version and maybe it's because i i've have seen it in black and white i can mm-hmm. still appreciate it but i think that if you only ran across the colorized version you would still appreciate it as a fun film it just won't be as impactful so definitely you should watch the black and white right, right. is it black and now we come to the question yeah this is not a black film okay Dwayne Jones, Ben, is decidedly the protagonist in this film. You're right. And while you can read race on the moments that you point out, that we both pointed out, to be fair, um, and I will definitely give it to you on the end, on on the stills montage, I think that so much of this film does not evolve Ben's race. He's he's uh, Ben is in survival mode, but he easily could have just been a white guy. You you really don't even have to change any of the lines. No, I don't I, think they. Yeah, you I, know, I agree with that the, part. The context. I I honestly think even of the two moments that we just mentioned here about the the two tussles, only the context of him. The scene with him and Barbara is changed because of his race. Like, if that's a white guy, you don't have that same context. Right. You know what I mean? So him being black, it does paint it in a different context. And especially with it being, if you know, that this is a year removed from the heat of the night, which has a famous scene of Sidney Poitier. Right, 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 right. back somebody. Um, But that's the only one where his race might play a part in, in your read of that scene. For the most part, George Romero's, you know, claim that Ben simply was the best actor plays out, especially if you look at the beginning when you're first introduced to Ben and he, because Barbara is so canatonic and not speaking for for so much of the beginning of the film, he's basically doing all the heavy lifting script wise, including telling his story about how he came to be at this home. He actually is giving a very mannered performance right there. A man that is scared, but is also trying to keep hold of his wits. Right. You know, I think that his acting to a degree dissolves into a bit of, you know, matching the, the volume of everybody else in the rest of the film. Okay. So he doesn't match that same level of gravitas that he gave in the beginning, but he still is easily the best actor in, in this film. Okay. So I believe George Romero's claim is like, yo, Dwayne Jones was just the best actor, right? Best man for the job. So he gets a job, you know, blind casting. Right. But I don't, I think, this is a social film. There's social commentary about how society breaks down, but I don't think the race element is there. And I think the race element might have been the it might have been there if and you almost you almost are waiting for it in 
the Cooper character. Yes, who, yes, yes, absolutely. Who is very, very, you know, not for nothing. It's very Doris as Machina how the other people just all of a sudden show up in the basement. Right, you know, right. And just come crawling It's out. like they crawl out to complicate the narrative. Exactly, yeah. right? Which I appreciate the script actually calls that out. Yeah. Dwayne is like, and y'all didn't hear us up here? Yeah. Hanging around? But uh, you almost are waiting for Cooper to come out of his mouth with the N-word. Right, a right. Of times. You almost see it on his tongue. But and but I think that is more just a, a, a nature of the performance itself sure. and the character as the character is played. And because you, the audience, are looking at that right. character looking at a black man. Right. But the script is really not going there. Right. It's not meant to go there. And and a lot of people who who cuz they start writing about this in terms of race almost like this came out in 68. Mhm. By 71, 72, people are writing about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of people look at that Cooper character and his resistance mm-hmm. to Ben along those lines. Right. And I don't think that's fair. But you're you I, I think you're 100% right. It's not in the script. Yeah, it's not in the script. I don't think it's in, in the performance. I think it's only because you're looking at it as a white and a black man. I, I just don't think you can look at this in a vacuum, though. Like, I was looking up real quick. This is 68. Right. And this is a conversation. This is the third time we've had this kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. The World, the Devil, in the Flesh, the, the Harry Belafonte yes. movie, is 59. Mm-hmm. So it's almost 10 years before this. And we kind of talked about how neutered Belafonte was. And, and we went back and forth about, was this his skill or is this the social mores of the day? 62 is All Night, um, all night Long. Oh, okay. Right. Which was the Othello film. We said the same thing. And I think we both agreed that this is more representative of, of the time period. Right. Because we both like him, him as and I forgot the actor's name forgive me and this this relationship between a white man and a black man yes talking about in the heat of the night I can't and, and I'm going to look this up in real time and hopefully it comes up immediately you talk about guess who's coming, coming to, dinner. to dinner which is 1967 so yeah. a year before this mm-hmm. famously neutered Yes. Performance of Sidney Portier with this white woman. I think in 1968, obviously George Romero has a lot more freedom because this is guerrilla filmmaking mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to worry about the studios. But this is still within the context of this black man. And I, I, whether, I, I'm going to go back to the first thing I said. I, I completely agree with you that I don't think Romero did it deliberately. Mm-hmm. But whether he did it deliberately or not, I don't think you can. I don't think it's the same film with a white actor. Like, I don't think it's the same thing with the white actor. A, because of of of, of these films that we've talked about. And, and the context of black masculinity in films. OK, B, within the context of George Romero's work. This is the formula. The zombies cause society to break down. Right. And now it's hurly-burly. <laughs> and what is more hurly-burly 
in a cinematic landscape where a black man can barely be in the room with a white woman. Right. That's true. Right. Then this right. black man knocking her around, running around. You and I went back and forth about Harry Belafonte and he done sweat and he's neutered and this and it. <laughs> ben got his shirt. Like Ben is Ben is actually wild. <laughs> like to me, the greatest thing about Ben was that I realized. I didn't want to be nowhere with Ben <laughs> in his wild ass. <laughs> he's running around the house with the boards and he's punching people. And then he shot like Ben shot that dude for no reason. I mean, not for, not for no reason, but he wasn't in no danger. He was just pissed at him. Yeah. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not arguing that the film doesn't work with a white actor. I'm not even arguing that we're not still talking about Night of the Living Dead. Like a parallel white actor, right, right, in a parallel universe where it's a whole cast with the whole cast is white, I think we're having a lot of the same conversations yes. about this film. Yes. But I do think that Ben's blackness energizes this in such a way that I think it's a black film. I think he energizes it, but I don't think it's I don't think it's his blackness. I think it's he's a he's a good actor. Uh, but I do see you how you can't watch you can't watch this movie in a vacuum. It is a black man that is saying these lines that are that are in these moments. Um, I hear you on that. So while you were looking for a knockdown fight, I'm not going to fight you. Uh, no, I can't, and I can't really fight you, but so hard. <laughs> Although I will say, what did we watch a couple of episodes ago? Oh. How is Little Woods black, but this isn't? Because your argument was that Tessa Thompson mm-hmm. was the main character and she carries the film. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could I could replay the tape. <laughs> replay that tape, yeah. And yeah. that was your whole argument. Which, and I and I went on and, and I agreed with you. So how is Little Woods black, but this isn't? Where I was going before you jumped in, <laughs> Mr. Segway. Um was that I know you were looking for a knockdown battle. Ladies and gentlemen, he literally has boxing gloves. <laughs> he, he broke out the Everlast That's and everything. That's right. His Muhammad Ali trunks. Um, <laughs> at least they're not George Foreman. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to fight you so hard because, just like you just said, he is the lead of this film. Mm-hmm. He does carry this film. And while at the beginning of this mission, this is something I probably would have argued more vehemently that it is not a, a, a point that that doesn't mean it's necessarily a black film. Um, I have, you know, I've changed. I've grown hey, on this mission. Haven't we all? You know? If I can now appreciate the charm of the last dragon, <laughs> then I can certainly see Night of the Living Dead as a black film. Okay. All right. So All right. I'm with it. What I will also say though, the bigger crime is that we don't get more Dwayne Jones. I know. On film. I know. Unfortunately, I th- I think we're now finished. I know. Because he was in Ganja. Of course, I just saw something said he was in Beat Street. Is he in Beat Street? I don't remember him in Beat Street at all. Yeah. I've always just heard this in Ganja and Hess. 
Yeah, you know, and we've already reviewed Beat Street, but I gotta look that up. Yeah, now I, I gotta see. Well, where was he in Beat Street? I know. But but yeah, I I I a hundred percent agree with you that it is a crime that we're finished. Yeah. Look with his work now. Yeah. Because mind you, I don't miss any of the other actors. <laughs> When that truck blew up, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> let's, let's, can we clear the field a little yes, bit? Let's just let's clear the Because they're just going to keep bringing mediocre actors on. But here's one that I actually wanted everybody to die except for him and an old boy. Oh, Cooper? Cooper. And I want them to just battle it out. Well, actually, I would have loved for him and Cooper not to die. Them to be seen walking from, from the house. And then he just shoots Cooper in the head. <laughs> right. He keeps walking. Right. <laughs> right. I would have loved for that. <laughs> but there was, there's something about this movie, something about like the zombies that are in this film mm-hmm. that I think that we've lost along the way. When Barbara, early in the film, is being chased by a zombie who, and it doesn't play on a black and white, but if you watch it in color, you swear this is Lurch. From the Adams family. <laughs> right, right, right. From the walk, everything. I'm yeah. like, that's Ted Lent. Right. Ted Cassidy. Um, she's running from him and she gets to the she gets to the car and rolls up the window. This zombie knows, oh no, 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 no. I'm going to pick up a brick yeah. and break the window. Yeah, these zombies use tools. These, these zombies, these zombies are thinking. These zombies, yeah. Wait, wait a minute. And yeah. then flash forward yeah. to when um, you know, Harry has his wife and his daughter, who we learn later had had a tussle with one of the the zombies getting away, and right. they think that the zombie may have bit her. Right, right, like which that. establishes now, that part of the mythology. And she's falling ill, and eventually, you know what that means. She, right. She dies, and she goes after the mother, you know, and she's just coming after the mother all zombie-like, and, you know, arms out, and until the mother jumps, uh, punches up against a wall, and then she looks, the zombie daughter looks to the wall, and pulls out a spade. Yes. And it's like, oh, this will work. And then stabs and then stabs her, her yeah. repeatedly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, these are tool using. <laughs> that, that part hadn't quite been established yet. Yeah. Well, we've lost it. Yeah, we've lost we, it. We, we, I want to see some gun-toting zombies. You want gun-toting zombies. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. I, I, I miss this aspect. Those were, I like those zombies. Yeah. They were cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? I found it weird. It's, it, well, it's weird now. I was about to say, because it's so well-established. Right. That, like that, that zombies are mindless. These are not your mother's zombies. But again, so many aspects are in this yeah like they actually say shoot him in the brain because that hits the brain stem and i was like wow at the very beginning yeah and it was and i think i don't know how much this plays because you know they're watching the television and then you cut to the scene where the military and the scientists are you know they're kind of acknowledging that we may have played a part in this because of some satellite that <laughs> came like, down. What was that? I don't know. They're what just sort of spitballing. I don't know. It's like, no, that wasn't it. We're not sure exactly you know, what At the very beginning, they say it's daylight savings time. Maybe <laughs> that has something to do with it. I don't, I don't know. know. We're, we're really not concrete on any of these. so we're They're not, really we're, spitballing it. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and like... Uh, radiation? <laughs> uh, radiation? We'll get back to you. They shot down a satellite? <laughs> I'm like, Daylight saving time? I don't know. 
George Romero was working it out in real time. Real time. But, real keep, time, but keep the camera rolling. Keep it, yeah. Just keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, we'll do, it, we'll do it in post. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. We'll all come together. <laughs> the devil? Is it the devil? The devil has her, is You know, I think it's in Dawn. Dawn of the Dead. The, the poster says, when hell has no more room, <laughs> the dead will rise. So it's like, the devil? Maybe it's the devil? I don't know. <laughs> Satellites? Daylight saving? I love the daylight saving time. I know. I know. It's like, is it because of daylight saving time? Is Ben Franklin the cause of zombies? I wouldn't put it past Ben Franklin. We don't talk about that enough. I wouldn't put it past Ben Franklin. Right. Ben Franklin, you know, <laughs> he's invented a lot of stuff. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god it's a fun film though it is fun oh yeah i yeah. appreciated watching it uh, watching it again um uh here's the thing though you said that this would if you were going to recommend one zombie film to people it would be night of the living dead it will it is i don't know if this would be it and, i mean i think it, it's worth watching but if i had to recommend what's a zombie yours film that's a good question um <laughs> Who could have foreseen that I would ask you? I'm I'm when you, when you said I don't know. It's a toss up between right. It's a toss up between um 28 days later, but that might be a little bit too scary for people. Um really good though. Real good. Good social commentary too. Yes. And Zombie Land. Cuz Zombie Land kind of Zombie Land is barely a zombie movie. And it's a straight comedy. But it's very funny. It's very funny, but I wouldn't recommend it as a zombie movie. movie. Yeah, Yeah. but I just love that movie. Well, how about Shaun of the Dead? Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is good. It's good, and it probably fits tonally with this movie. The I think I think Shaun of the Dead still comedy. And Twenty Eight Days Later. The thing about them, and and even if you're a Walking Dead person. So much of what makes those films resonant is in here. Is in and it starts here. Yeah, you're right. You know, it starts here. You're right. Wait a minute. Which is the one? And I can't remember because there have been so many sequels. Yeah. To this to this movie, and it didn't didn't it like branch off a little bit or something like that. <gasps> right, right. Because there was a some type of like legal thing. Beef is is strong, but yeah, between John Russo and, and George, George Romero. Mm-hmm. Which is the one? That takes place at the mall. Oh, that's Dawn. That would that's be the Dawn. One. That's yeah, the one. That's, I would that's my favorite one. That's the one I would recommend. Yeah, and the remake is not bad. The remake of that. The one. remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I've heard that's not a, bad. I didn't see it. It's 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 got uh <laughs> just thinking of black people. Mackay Pfeiffer and Ving Rhames are in it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. that's the one at the mall. That's yeah. my favorite one. But yeah, the nineteen seventy eight one is is fantastic i think that's the one i would recommend and yeah. i think you probably it, i haven't seen the remake but i've heard good things about the, the remake, remake is good the dead. yeah the so remake is you, good either one that, that i would recommend that first. i would say if you watch night and you really like night of the living dead go right to dawn of the yeah dead. go right to dawn and yeah. then you don't have to go to any place maybe 28 days later I'll, i really like 28 take days on it because and, it's not- um what's our jam that we reviewed ironically oh attack time- no, that's not. It, ironically, during Science Fiction Month, the, the, the jam with, with the little girl. 
Oh, Blue. sister. Oh, oh, the girl with all the gifts. The girl with all the gifts. The girl. You know why? Because that's technically not zombies to me. Because it is right, sci-fi. Right. But yeah, the girl with all the girl gifts. with all the gifts is is that's also a great film. Yeah. Oh God, that's a great film. Mm-hmm. That's a great film. Yeah, that's a good one too. There you go. That's actually a nice double feature. I think Night of the Living Dead and Girl with All the Gifts. No, I would go Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead and, and Girl, girl with, with All the, the Gifts. Because okay. Night of the Living Dead is, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. Dawn of the Dead and Girl. That's Dawn of the Dead. That's and girl. That's a girl. That's, that's a good, that's nice. That's a good evening yeah. right there. Yeah, you bring up the popcorn. You like bring I feel like up. I might do you that. In a couple all of, that. Yeah, yeah, I might do that. Well, I'm coming. Yeah, you called that. That's. I take it back. You're right. Yeah. Seventy eight's Dawn of the Dead and Girl with All the Gifts. That's a good double feature that's right a good there. Double feature right yeah. there, man. And, and it's a good double feature that people because a lot of people probably saw Dawn of the Dead. They ain't seen Girl with All the Gifts. Right. They ain't, they ain't ready. And I would argue the people that have saw Girl with All the Gifts, I don't know how many people have seen the original Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, you're right. Who aren't Yeah. Who aren't zombie movie people. Right. Because that's a little right. deep in the zombie movie world. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And and it was 78. You know it, what I mean? Right. It was, it was 78. Like 40 years old. Yeah. You're right. All right. So, well, I guess I, you got to ask me. Would you recommend this film? Very much so. Very much so. I think I think everyone should watch Night of the Living Dead. I agree. I agree. You should watch it. Yeah, you should watch, watch it. it. It's a fun movie. And and I don't know if we've said it out loud. The gore is fairly low. Very. Yeah. The, the gore is fairly low. Yeah, yeah. Like there's maybe one moment that's gory. That's kind of gory. I mean, there, there, but there is some scenes, especially if you watch the black and white one, that mm-hmm. might like, you know, like, whoo, right? Oh no, I think it's creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. But, but some people don't but like the, the the actual. Yeah, gore. But, but it's sixty eight. Right, you gore know, sometimes it's zom- and that's it's like some of the zombie movies kind of really lean into the. Oh yeah, very true. You know, eating the guts and all the all that stuff, and this isn't that movie. Yeah, not at all. And generally, George Romero is not that guy. No. Nah. No. So, but yeah, absolutely right. He's a better filmmaker than that. Yeah. God bless him. All right, before we get into what we're, we will be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, I want to invite you all to send us all of your feedback, your comments, your concerns, um, all of your thoughts of like, oh my God, how did this show go off the rails today? And let us know. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. Michaud is spelled M I C H E A U. X mission M I S I O N. You can also like and follow us on all the social medias at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Me Show Mission. Join the Facebook group, the Me Show Mission, where we have a lot of fun with all the missionaries. Um, this show is also a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure go to thepodglomerate.com for that great great home of podcasts like green eggs and dan's cool thing also our show is available in the edited form every saturday afternoon at 1 p.m on wppm people power media philly cam here in the city of brotherly love, 106.5 FM. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. 
All right. Next week, Vince. All right. It's my turn. It is your now, turn. I have been bouncing back and forth between three films okay. that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, two of them are sequels to films that we've already done. Oh, interesting. And some would say that these sequels may actually be superior. Oh, I know what one of them is. To the films that we've done. Oh. To the originals. Okay. All right. But you, that's not what you picked. Because you're about to get me excited about one of them. I, I was about to get you excited All about right. one of them. All right. Them. Fair enough. Fair but enough. But I've decided to hold off on that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And lean into giving the missionaries something that they have asked for. Oh. While still fitting in to this world of October scares and trying to give something that you will be afraid of. And while you do not like horror movies, there's no. some things you can, you can work with. One of the things, if I remember correctly, you said you don't like ghosts. What is a ghost movie that the missionaries have been asking for? Well, they haven't been asking for a ghost movie per se, but what they have been asking for, regardless of the month, is that they want to return to May I Have Another. Oh, well, here on, in man. October, oh, come on, I am giving you a touch of May. I have oh, another. Come on, man. And we will be reviewing 1990s Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking about something scary. <laughs> yes, it's Bill Cosby in the role he was made for. Oh, no. That's a, as a spirit. <laughs> Haunting his family. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the sound of a million think pieces being launched. <laughs> what Ghost Dad told us about the true horror. <laughs> Woo! Hey, it was directed by Sidney Poitier. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. We've talked about that. <laughs> Sidney Poitier, <laughs> iconic, trailblazing, legendary actor. Director? <laughs> we shall see you next week, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>